Key Aero, your aviation destination. Military Aviation. Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Air Warrior podcast. I am your host, Richard Thomas, and this week, with much of the team attending the Defence and Security Equipment International event, UK's largest all-domain defence exhibition, we are in conversation with BAE Systems on the Tempest programme, detailing the development timeline of the aircraft and the importance of it to the future health of the country's aerospace industry. All of that coming up a little later on in the show. The news this week. The UK Ministry of Defence will invest almost £400 million to improve the capabilities of its C-17 Globemaster aircraft and CH-47 Chinook helicopters, with the platforms forming much of the backbone of the country's military airlift fleet. According to a September 12th release, the UK C-17 fleet, which recently played a key role in the UK's evacuation from Afghanistan, will receive a £324 million investment. This will upgrade software and hardware to improve airlift capability as part of a contract with the US Air Force. The UK's fleet of Mark V and Mark VI Chinook helicopters, officially designated HC-5 and HC-6 in service, will be enhanced with new defensive systems as part of a £64 million contract with Boeing Defence UK, which will make them harder for adversaries to detect. Commenting on the deal, UK Minister for Defence Procurement Jeremy Quinn said this investment ensures our aircraft are equipped with the cutting-edge technology to face a myriad of emerging threats from adversaries. In more UK news, throughout August and September, a General Atomics Aeronautical Systems MQ-9B Sky Guardian has been performing demonstration operations from RAF Waddington, Lincolnshire, as part of the Sky Guardian to the UK 2021 programme. The Sky Guardian used is a pre-production prototype of the UK's next-generation medium-altitude long-endurance remotely piloted air system and has been flying out to the Royal Air Force's Intelligence, Surveillance, Target Acquisition and Reconnaissance Hub for multiple demonstration and capability flights. The MQ-9B Sky Guardian will replace and provide double the capabilities of the current RF MQ-9A Reaper fleet. The MQ-9B is to be introduced into RF service as the Protector RG-1 in 2024 and will be stationed at RF Waddington. And finally, the Indian Air Force's airlift capabilities could be boosted after the nation's Cabinet Committee on Security, or CCS, approved the procurement of 56 C295MW medium-lift tactical transports from Airbus Defence and Space on September the 8th. This CCS approval to acquire the 56-strong fleet of C295MWs comes some six years after India's Defence Acquisitions Council approved the initial proposal in May 2015. While the proposed purchase has been approved, no official contract has yet been placed. The C295MW, which has an airlifting capacity of up to 10 tonnes, would boost the IAF's airlifting capabilities, as well as the Air Arm's ability to conduct paradropping operations with troops and cargo. In IAF service, the introduction of the C295MW will enable the Air Arm to retire and replace its ageing fleet of Avro 748M Sobroto transports. At present, India maintains a fleet of more than 40 748Ms, which were licence-built domestically by Hindustan Aeronautics and began military operations in 1962. And that was the news. Time now to turn our attention to BAE Systems and the Tempest 6th Generation Fighter Project. A vast chunk of the UK's defence aerospace sector is currently embarking on a -a once-in-a-generation effort to design develop and hopefully manufacture the RAF's next-generation 
Combat Air Platform, integrating technologies and operational concepts to harness the critical enablers of the future battle space. Such is the apparent importance of the future Combat Air System Platform, also known as Tempest, that in May this year, a report by PricewaterhouseCoopers estimated that between 2021 and 2050, it would directly benefit the UK economy to the tune of more than £26 billion. A big responsibility then for BAE Systems, which is leading the program, and I'm delighted to be joined by Steve Hopkins, the company's head of operational capability for the FCAS effort. Mr. Hopkins, thank you very much for joining us. Good afternoon, Richard. So at the top then, what's the origin of FCAS as a program, as a, as a concept? Where has Tempest come from? Okay, so the original vision of the program as Team Tempest was to create effectively an enterprise where we brought together industry partners, the stakeholders, along with MOD expertise to really try and develop the cutting-edge technologies required for the next generation of the program. It was very much focused around how do we work together as a team, how do we risk reduce and test out both processes and technologies to look at focusing our next generation platform and very much um, secure the UK's position as leader within combat air. Okay, and the UK is only just integrating a fifth generation platform into its fleet with the F-35. And here we are talking about the development of something that is reported to be the next step beyond, you know, a fabled sixth generation aircraft. How does one classify what is a fifth generation aircraft and what could be a sixth gen as aircraft, of course, evolve over their service life? So what are some of the capabilities, main capabilities that Tempest will field in this next step in defence aerospace? Okay, so where we're focusing, moving from where we started with Tempest, Tempest is very much based around a product, developing a classical product. What we've moved to very much in terms of taking this forward is looking at the changing environment. As you say, our products are in service for many years. Our customers use them in a range of different things. And it's trying to always understand where the next threats are coming from and how those will evolve over time. As we've seen in the past, these drastically change. So where we're looking at is very much is around how we develop a system of systems how we develop a product within a suite of various aspects that allow us to be flexible and agile, both in terms of the product and for the operational requirements to take this forward in the future. Whereas many of today's platforms have generally been conceived and developed around specific operational requirements, Mm. be that around the Eurofighter Typhoon or the F-35 platform. Mm. Can I just draw you on this sort of notion of fourth gen, 4.5 gen, as the Eurofighter is referred to, fifth gen? sixth gen i mean is it fair to label a platform as being of an era i think not really it ties into the very start point of where these programs develop but as with all of these as we incrementally upgrade and develop those over time the generation of the original genesis of a platform evolves so in our perspective you see quite a lot of blurring of the boundaries there are certain key underpinning technologies in there but actually all of those technologies and in today's world are even faster pace so historically with legacy platforms where you have step changes in eras, it was probably more applicable. In today's world, where you've got a higher rate of change and you're looking for more incremental flexibility, that tying into different genres becomes less relevant. Mm, Yeah, of course. So, I mean, the timeline for this program is, well, we were just talking before we started recording. It's compact, isn't it? It's a very aggressive timeline. I mean, it's something like, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's something like only half the time that it took to bring the Eurofighter from concept to into service is sort of roughly the timeline that you're looking for with the Tempest. So what's the challenges for that? Okay, the challenges with that are clearly quite significant, but what we're looking at here is bringing that capability, aiming to break both that cost curve and that time cycle. 
Yeah. So taking, again, the notion of a minimum viable product and one which we can then build on and develop with flexibility and taking that forward is looking at that sort of 2035 timescale is bringing initial operating capability that meets the customer's requirements, but more importantly, a system and a platform that can be evolved over time in line with those developing needs and also take advantage of evolving technology. So what technology does need to be into the um, system at that point in time and how does that technology evolve over a period? We all recognize that 15 years ago, for instance, you know, some of the technology we use today, being the way in which we're meeting today through you know, Microsoft Teams or Zoom or those applications, the use of mobile phones in our day-to-day lives in terms of social media, you know, a phone is the last thing it's used for nowadays. It's a very different world to where we started. We recognize that. So we're looking at how we have flexibility, adaptability to effectively what we um, class as you know, through life upgrades and developing that over time. I mean, we're, here we are in Q4 of 2021. What are the sort of some of the, for our listeners, what are some of the, the marker posts that you're aiming for in the short, medium and long term, the sort of the design, the construction and the first flight? And also, what are some of the challenges, but also opportunities that might arise as this program develops and matures, which sort of gives time for the technologies to mature as well? So the key phase we're in now, is, which was launched in the middle of this year, is the concept and assessment phase. So that phase is very much evolving the concepts and looking at assessments and trading those to get the optimum solution that meets the technology available today and the ability to introduce tomorrow's technology as it develops and becomes Mm. available. Mm. And that program runs out to 2025. What we then enter is the design and development phase, which is targeted to deliver that first operational capability in 2035. And in terms of that, we'll be taking that through in the development cycle. What we're looking at is taking advantage of things like digital enterprise and digitalization challenging our methods and processes, and in particular looking at not only how we collaborate, but how we co-create with ourselves as key partners, but also with an extensive range of other partners, particularly SMEs and smaller organizations, to bring in new ideas, new ways of working, new methods, and get the best of the best. And very much looking outside of our own industry to look at what's going on in other industrial sectors of how we can import that technology and those processes into the way in which we do things. And that's what we think will give us our competitive edge in terms of you know, automotive or advanced electronics or other areas where their product life cycles are measured in weeks and months as opposed mm. to years. And how we can take those philosophies and methods and bring them into our product cycles. So that's how we're going to meet that challenge. Just finally, before we close out here, I mean, I started introducing at the top the potential economic benefits of Tempest and the importance of the program to the UK's defence aerospace sector, a sector that, how can I put it, has seen some movement in the market in recent weeks. So it's quite fluid. So the PricewaterhouseCooper report that I referred to earlier, let me pull just another couple of figures from that. So in helping to sustain UK's aerospace sector, the report said that UK-based companies involved in the Tempest program, yourself and other leading UK OEMs, could bring in £100 billion in wider gains to the overall UK economy supporting 62,000 jobs between 2021 and 2050. Those are huge numbers. So in your own view, how crucial is it that FCAS is successful in order to secure the future of UK aerospace? And do those potential benefits add a little bit more pressure to the OEMs behind the program? Absolutely. We recognize that responsibility. This isn't just ourselves as big OEMs. This is very much about using this as a vehicle to upskill UK PLC. 
and share that benefits two ways. So that's not only bringing companies into our organization and working with us as partners to help, but us actually feeding that stuff out. We're already doing that today. So things like our Factory of the Future facility at Wharton is very much bringing a number of enterprises, not just as suppliers, but very much as partners into that activity. And then the technology we develop, allowing them to take that back out. So it's around not just looking after the big tier ones, very much how we share that benefit across the wider enterprise, recognize the digital future. Today, you know, we've had more than a thousand apprentices and graduates recruited across Team Tempest and also expanding that much wider into our various partners and suppliers, helping them upskill themselves to meet those challenges of the future, which essentially will then improve the productivity of UK PLC. We then want to take that one step further and recognizing this program is international by design is very much working with our international partners to take that into a broader spectrum of how we then work with them going forward. So effectively, we all benefit from sharing that collective knowledge and getting the best of the best through that. Yeah, indeed. Very interesting. And just a note to our listeners, if you want to know more about FCAS and the Tempest program, have a look for the Tempest podcast, which has just completed its first series. It's produced by Team Tempest and well worth a listen. With that, we'll have to leave it there. Many thanks to Steve Hopkins, Head of Operational Capability for the FCAS effort at BA Systems. Thanks for coming on the show. Many thanks. Thank you, Richard. Thanks for having us. For our listeners, if you'd like to know more about the topics discussed today and all the rest of the news from the air and space domains, please visit the Key Aero and Air International websites. But for now, until next week, thanks for tuning in. This has been a podcast from Key Aero, your aviation destination. Remember, visit www.key.aero for more of the same. Thanks for stopping by, and we hope to catch up with you again soon.